everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the frame skip podcast i'm austin eller and i'm joined on this god of war spoiler cast by my good friend seth aries himself slake house how's it going Ooh, Seth? it's going pretty well buddy um <laughs> aries huh that's, that's yeah you that's got pretty- killed by kratos so it must feel good must i think I always thought Ares was a really lame god. I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I thought his portrayal in the old God of War games, in particular, was like kind of yeah. I'm like, really, this really, is, this you're is gonna the get guy? like beaten by a demigod? Like, come on, man. Yeah, this is the guy. I don't know. <laughs> so, as you probably guessed by the title of this podcast, Seth and I just recently beat God of War Ragnarok. Of course, that sequel to god of war 2018 just came out this past month or so at time of recording and we actually ended up beating it i think both on the same day if i'm not mistaken based on our messages which was pretty surprising so So. i was actually (laughs) just thinking about this um i think me you probably play games at a very similar rate because yeah the odds of us beating not only control the same day but also god of war ragnarok is that's true very absurd that's true. That's yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. So, you know, if you're this far into the show, I'm just going to warn you now. You're a minute, almost two minutes into this podcast. If you have not beat God of War Ragnarok or if you care at all about spoilers, turn the show off. Um, come back to it after you beat it. And we will still be here. We'll still be here with our thoughts, post-game thoughts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. more than more than welcome to listen to us next year or in 2024, whenever you ever play god of war ragnarok which i hope you do because it's a damn good game so here's your warning get out now and go jesus christ this <laughs> game is so good <laughs> i agree i agree um now i know we had talked i think it was last week or two weeks ago yes. about how i wasn't really feeling it um by the end of the game those feelings had completely gone away yeah completely turned around for me yeah, and I can understand the 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 opinion because I know I think it was on the previous episode of Frameskip, you you had mentioned that I can understand kind of the slow feelings towards the beginning because it is you know pretty slow. I think there are some good moments at the start with like Odin and Thor showing up immediately, which was honestly pretty awesome. But aside mm-hmm. from that, it's it's kind of a slow burn. I'd say for the first like five hours. I don't know if you'd agree mm-hmm. with that. No, I honestly. For me, the weakest part of this game is like the entire first half. Yeah. Um, I know for, for you, it picked up and, and caught your attention a little sooner. But for me, like the entire first half, I'm like, I don't even know why these characters want to do what they're doing. You know, yeah. I just, I just, I really was not a fan of the pacing in, in the first half of the game, um, especially when we get to the Atreus segments. Yeah. In in particular, that second one when you're in the Ironwood, um, yeah, I almost I, I knew that I had to force myself through it in one sitting, or else I was going to put the game down because I was like, I'm not having fun with this at all. <laughs> it's sort of how I felt with Chapter 13 of uh, Final Fantasy 15, where I'm just like, I have to make sure I get through this and get to the other side because I do not want to be here anymore. So that's interesting because I was actually just listening to a spoiler cast earlier. 
Um, it was the kind of funny spoiler cast, and they had on the director of the game, and they the director had mentioned how the Ironwood section is like really controversial. Like a lot of people, I guess, are having issues with it. And I honestly, I didn't really know one just because I've totally tuned out media when it comes to this game. I've just wanted to sit there and let it sink in and enjoy it personally. But I actually really like the Ironwood portion. I, I had a <laughs> really? good time with it. Yeah, but oh. I think it's because I. I was really interested in Angraboda. I thought her character was really well done. And mm. so I think that's part of it. But I, I will say I know like combat wise, like there really wasn't a whole lot going on in that section. I don't know if that was your problem with it. No, for me, it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. And yeah. I didn't really think that it was a very interesting um segment and and I didn't really understand Atreus in that moment being like hmm I guess I can just you know abandon my quest for it was, it was like, they said it was like 2 days or something like that right yeah. like and just you know chill here for a while I just I don't know man I I really didn't I didn't like it and um like I said I, I forced myself through it and I'm glad I did but it was it was hard because the whole the whole tone of the game changes in that segment, which is really weird because you go from like this very foreboding, like okay, Ragnarok is approaching, yeah. um, tone to like all of a sudden, hey, I'm in the Iron Woods with this um, girl my age, and she's throwing bright colors all over the place, and she's a painter, and I just didn't. I, it felt very um, Marvel ask yeah. you know, like disney's marvel ask like like that kind of character um and honestly when it came down to it at the very end i was like well she didn't really have any impact on the story overall um that is true it seemed like it seemed odd to include her in any way but you know it is what it is i don't think it holds the game back that much i just think from now on when I'm discussing God of War or Ragnarok, I'm probably going to be like, hey, if I'm talking to someone who hasn't played it, I'm probably going to be like, hey, just so you know, there's this really awful segment like five hours in. Just force your way through it because the rest of the game, she doesn't even show yeah. up. So I'm almost wondering if. I'm almost wondering if that was a last minute addition because you never really go back to the Ironwood to explore or anything. Um, there's no side quests there. Yeah. Right. right. Um, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, the, I mean, it could be. And you're you're right, though, when you say it literally. I mean, it, you, you said it comes out of nowhere and it literally does because yeah. he, he just goes to sleep and it's suddenly like, OK, well, here I am in, in Ironwood. So I do see where you're coming from in in that way. And I do agree. Like, it is kind of strange. There are no side quests. It's kind of just her. But I actually kind of disagree that she didn't have a big impact on the story. I mean, I. I to an extent, I agree, but at the same time, I think overall her actual arc really fits in with where the game is going as far as, you know, the whole game to me was about prophecy and fate and where you fit into everything. And I thought her her whole arc of, hey, this is what I'm shown to do. I'm shown to show up here in front of, you know, to her, Loki, and never play a role in the story again. I thought it was really fitting that she you know, in the end, she came back with Fenrir and it kind of mm. assisted and, and helped them escape Asgard. I thought it was an interesting 
plot for her overall. I do agree to an extent, though. I mean, she was there in the Ironwood segment and then at the end, and that was really it. So right. I wish there had been a little more in between with her because I, I actually really liked her performance, her character as a whole. Um, yeah, so the the coolest part about that scenario to me was um how they slyly introduce real reintroduce the time loop segment when uh with Jormungandr the the Midgar serpent because yes. it is implied although not explicitly stated that in that segment um Atreus gives the giant soul to that snake who then becomes the Midgar serpent which I think is yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I love, they kind of bring that up after you beat the game. I'm sure you got the same dialogue I did, but you're like walking out from, you know, Midgar, wherever you're at at the mm-hmm. end. And I think it's um, Amir starts saying something about um, Jormungandr, and he's like, yeah, this happened. And and I will say, I, I do want to go back to Jormungandr here in a second, but I like, so far, I, I'll, let me just point this out. I beat the game, I think, with about 23 or 24 hours on the clock. So I, I really kind of slammed through it. I played a lot of the side missions at the first half of the game. But as you get to the second half, as the campaign really started to pick up, I kind of just stopped on the side quest because I was so like invested in, in Ragnarok itself and what was happening. But um, the thing I'm really enjoying so far about the post game, and I'm looking forward to playing more of it, is it, it it's a an evolving world like you you finish the campaign but going back to some of these places and you know hearing Mimir talk about Jormungandr and and seeing other things I just got to an area I don't know if you've seen through yet have you seen through yet in the post-game content um where she flies away yeah she has Mjolnir yes. and flies away yeah I, see I that. love that stuff where you're like going back you know it's still the same world you've been in but now it actually it's it's changed because right. of the events of the campaign it's not just like a you know, for game mechanics purposes, here's the game itself. Nothing's changed. Ragnarok hasn't happened as many games do, or it just throws right. you, spits you back out into the world. And I, I love how they've played that off. So I'm really looking forward to playing more and, and experiencing more of the world post Ragnarok. Yeah, I really think that um, the post game was created with a really delicate hand and with a lot of care. And I, I really think that's important because, as you said, with a lot of games, um, almost every single game I can think of that's an open world game, once you beat the story, it feels like someone just presses the pause button on the world and you're able to just kind of explore. Like It's almost like it's stuck in time. And with Ragnarok so far, there's a ton to do that has implications and it feels like the game doesn't end when you roll the credits. It, it feels like, okay, this is the continuation of the story. And I'm not really sure how they pulled that off so well. And if you notice, in the, in the second game, they um, canonized the fact that Kratos and Atreus did all these things after the, the end of the first game. They went and beat the Valkyries and did um, the trials and um, Muspelheim. And that is brought up several times throughout Ragnarok. And I think 
that has to be part of it, right? Because in a lot of other games, they don't even acknowledge the side content in, in the story. But with God of War and God of War Ragnarok, it's like, okay, well, we went on all these adventures, we've done all these things, and I know um, some people, particularly, you know, Colin Moriarty has problems with um, Mimir and the exposition when they're like, you're quick traveling and whatnot. I love that stuff. When, oh man, dude! Yeah. When, when they're talking and like giving more details and history about the world and whatnot, it really makes the world feel alive and it feels like a, a really living, breathing world. Um, and as you said, the events with Throod and um, um, Tear that that in the post game and um, the remnants of Asgard, which is our our, our direct. Yeah. Um, implication from the the Ragnarok event that happens at the end of the game. I really think that these things are all like critical to making the, the game world feel alive. Did you have any like favorite moments from the game overall? I think for me, I've got a few, and I'll just list a few of them off. I thought the the tear turn, you know, of him being Odin of course, the entire yeah. game was just insane. I mean, it, to me, it was on the same level of Atreus being Loki at the end of, of right. the first game. I mean, because I just never saw it coming. I never even thought of it. I didn't see it coming either. Um, and I, I, with Loki, I feel like with that twist in the first game, like you kind of felt like there was something developing, right? You felt right. like there was something coming. With Tyr, I never even saw it coming up until the very yeah. exact second it happened because I thought um brock was just being you know brock just like kind of you know being argumentative and like combative and then he gets stabbed and i'm like oh my god what is happening and then i will say the conclusion of that sequence too when he when odin thinks he's getting away with the mask Mm -hmm. and kratos throws the spear right through the mask and pins it to the wall excellent scene because you think normally in any other narrative the villain would have gotten away with the um MacGuffin as it is right yeah. and and he would have you would have had to go retrieve it but in this game it's like no that's not happening and, and it really also it's a little bit of extra of a twist at the end of the of the twist you know um i thought that was really cool yeah i i love that segment and i will say this i'm i'm curious to replay it at some point cuz i've heard people say that there actually are segments that are you know some of tier's dialogue tier when i when i mean odin there are segments earlier in the game where you can kind of pick up on like this might not be tier, but I, I'm going to be honest. I, I never noticed anything. So I'll be curious yeah. to replay it. Yeah. Um, and, and see, I don't think there's new game plus in the game yet. Is there, I, I think I don't think so. That in. Yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves in gaming is when you do the hardest things in the game and it gives you equipment as a reward yeah. and it's like well thank you but what am i gonna what am i gonna do with this yeah, you're at you the know? end of the game <laughs> yeah like i've just done the hardest thing in the game what, what am i supposed to do with this but um yeah man i'm sure they'll add it in i know they did with with 2018 i don't right. think it was in it at launch and they patched it in um some of my favorite moments I, I don't know there's just so many good moments i really liked the whole sequence there with um Surter. When you go and yeah. um, make him help you um, when, when he turns into the beast and whatnot, I thought that was really cool because mm-hmm. there's just so much. You really feel like 
you haven't even scratched the surface of this game world because they, they've developed it so deeply. Um, right. yeah, that late in the game, they're just like, oh yeah, well now we have to get this fire giant inserter and you know, it's a whole big thing, but just, you know, we're going to go get him and turn him into a monster. It's like, okay, well that's pretty cool because he hasn't even been shown off at all. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I don't even know. There's, there's a lot of really good moments. I think the ending fight with Thor is also really good. Yes. Um, and, and honestly, the first fight, the entire, Thor, yeah, the first fight with Thor was also good. Mm-hmm. Dude, the moment where he, he quote unquote kills you and oh, the game yeah. goes into a like loading screen and he's so like, cool. I'm not finished with you. And yeah. he does the shock and the loading screen pops out. So such a good moment. Such a good moment. Such yeah. A good moment. Um, the other moment that I really loved was when you're Atreus and you go and meet Freya at the beginning of the game. Yes. And you're really not sure what's going to happen, you know? Um, now, I did unfortunately have the fact that she becomes your ally spoiled to me oh, because I, saw, I was just browsing through um, TikTok and I saw someone playing it uh, in the, on yeah. their live and she was in his boat. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> why? You know, I did so good not getting spoiled for this yeah. game and, and playing it. And that was... Um, that was spoiled for me. What did you think of the more open companion system in this game as opposed to the first one? I thought it was really cool. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really liked how it gave you more time with other characters. I mean, because you had you had several, right? I mean, you had Atreus, you had um Sindri, you had uh, Brock, Sindri, right. Um Atreus's sword, which I, Ingrid, that's, that's that was the yeah, name of Ingrid. it. Um pretty much almost Rude. every major character became yeah. a um like even thor. companion at some point yeah even thor um yeah so i, I really liked it. it almost felt like the game was designed to be um co-op in, in a way because it was so integral in 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 i can't speak today um integral to the combat yeah. and i don't remember it being that deep in the first game i remember Atre- atreus having a few abilities but um in this game, they really go deep where it almost feels like these characters were built to be played and right. they're just it's just an AI controlling them is what it really feels like, um, especially when it comes to like Freya and and um, well, Atreus does get, you know, you do play as yeah. him. But I would say that Freya in particular feels really, really good um, when, when you're con- not controlling her, but using her abilities and. And having yeah. her like stun enemies and enter her poison cloud and whatnot, but yeah, I thought I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and I loved how they had like I can't remember if it was this way in 2018, but I love how they had their own um, skill trees and stuff yes. too, and yep. you could change their clothing and upgrade their weapons and skills and all that. I thought that was really neat, and I like the overall. I mean, especially with Atreus and Freya, the different like arrow types, and there was just so much to handle. But I love that. I loved having that extra portion of the combat that i you know was able to mess around with and and really frankly just be able to play with the enemies essentially i mean you you have so many options in this game and um i did want to ask you though because you you just touched on it what did you think of playing as atreus overall i think that hmm because my initial reaction is to say i never really enjoyed playing as him but that's not really true yeah um because I did enjoy it. It's just 
you spend what would you say roughly 20 to 30 percent of the game as atreus yeah, I, I would say i would say so and he doesn't feel as good as kratos i agree and i think that when you're developing a game like god of war and the main character is kratos and he plays so well and it, and it's so much fun to play as kratos and you get the, the tactileness of like the axe and the flowingness of the, of the blades. And then they force you to spend 30% of the game as Atreus, whose combat, in my opinion, feels a lot lighter, a lot um, weaker. Yeah. And it's not bad. It's just that it didn't feel as good as Kratos. So anytime I was using Atreus or forced to use Atreus, I was trying to get those segments done as fast as possible because I was like, I don't really want to, I want to get back to playing as Kratos. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about Atreus in this game is that he doesn't get the character growth that I think he gets in the first game. Um, he goes, he goes through and makes mistakes in this game over and over and over again. And then he has this moment in this game where he kind of just crumbles. Right. And he's, he's like, all right, dad, I'll do whatever you want. You know, where he has this like down and out moment. Yeah, but you're talking about after he lets Garm out, right? It's kind of yes, yes. When that happens, yeah. But he never feels like he recovers from that, and I, I don't know. In the first game, he got so much character growth, right? Because in my opinion, it was sort of like the Ahsoka syndrome from Star Wars, where you start out, you're like, God, this kid's annoying. Like, just you know, get out of here. And then by the end of the game, he has this huge, amazing character arc where. He kind of turns into like this real asshole when you find out that you're gods and then, you know, he makes mistakes and and he accidentally kills um, Modi. Was it Modi he kills? I think so. Yeah. And then, you know, he he gets he he learns his lesson and he becomes a, a more formidable ally to Kratos by the end of the game with this one. I would say I would say he's in like an awkward teenage phase where he just doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, He He never feels fully like confident was what I kind of grabbed until the end. He feels like his dad's holding him back. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I don't like him. I just feel like he could have been written a little better because I really do feel like his segments are the ones that weigh the game down, especially when you go to the Ironwood, right? And he doesn't have the foresight. And it, it it feels like we're watching a different story than he's participating in. Because he goes to the Ironwood and he has this whole giant segment about how he would never help Odin. And as soon as he gets out, he's like, well, I'm going to go undercover and go help Odin. Yeah. <laughs> what, is this? what is the point of this? You know, because and I understand like what they're trying to say. They're like, OK, well. In his mind, he's like, he's not really helping him. Right. But can you not understand that that's exactly what the prophecy was saying when you looked at it? Like, it, it wasn't, it was just showing you helping him. And then you're just, you said you weren't going to do that. And then you're going to do that. Thus, furthering the, the inevitable death of your father. So, I don't know. So, well, so just to give my thoughts, I, I enjoyed his segments overall. I do agree, though, that. I don't think he played quite as well as Kratos. I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like he's not as hard hitting and and that's what I really appreciate about God of War is just right. that like brutality, I guess, for lack of a better word. 
and didn't really have that. I mean, I still thought he played really well, though, um, to be honest with you. But what I what what I was going to say, you know, you were talking about a story. I still enjoyed him as a character in this game. Frankly, I kind of hated him in the first one. Right. But I think that's on purpose. I think right. they that's just part of the game is him being like this, especially like you mentioned after that he finds out they're gods. He's kind of just like, all right, I'm going to be an asshole now. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the, the thing that, that I kind of line, we are tired of hearing about your little people problems <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> the thing that I picked up on, I don't know if you felt the same way. I, I, I haven't talked to anybody about this game, so I have no idea what like mm. the consensus is. But I wrote down a few notes. I was just kind of thinking about this earlier. To me, 2018 was more of Atreus's story. Like mm-hmm. it was about him discovering he was Loki and coming into being a god and all this stuff. What I found was that Ragnarok is more of Kratos's game and Kratos learning that, you know, in the first game you had Atreus figuring out he could trust his dad. And this game, what I found was Kratos is figuring out he needs to trust his son. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting mirror. You know, often, again, I don't know what the consensus is, but often I found myself kind of some of the dialogue um, portions from Kratos. I, fa- I found myself kind of getting annoyed with him yeah, this time around definitely. rather than Atreus in the first game. And I, I really like that mirror of, you know, you've got these two flawed characters at the end of the day. The first game is about one. The second game is about Kratos and their their respective flaws. And I loved that overall arc. You know, you look at, in particular, I think the most powerful moment in the game for me was, you know, there were so many. But the last, like, 30 minutes or so when they're at Asgard, they're in the middle of Ragnarok, and Kratos looks at Atreus and he goes, um, this is about, he, you know, the whole several hours before he's been about, you know, we're doing this for vengeance. And then suddenly he looks at Atreus and goes, no, I was wrong. We're doing this for justice, not for vengeance. I was wrong. Open your heart. Don't close your heart. And I, to me, as somebody that's played every God of War game, I was astounded by the fact that like Kratos has come from this awful person essentially, and has totally changed into what he is now and so that that was what i picked up on was it was more of his story and more of how he's changing this time around rather than atreus and i i love that right i think i think some of my issues with the first half of the game do come from kratos's motivations and the fact that he just couldn't see he was he couldn't see that like he couldn't run away from all these issues because even up until the final segment of the game, when he realizes that Ragnarok is about to start, he's like, we're leaving. We're, we're going away. We're going to, we're going to, you know, try and hide this thing out. And it's like, well, you know, you, you kind of can't. And that was frustrating to see, but you're right. Like this is this, this whole game is about the redemption of Kratos and, and how, what he's going to do moving forward. And I, I'll say, man, like I got really emotional at the very end of the game. Um, when like you sit here and you see him open the other side of the, yeah. uh, of the, I don't know what, what we call them, the cabinets or whatever they are. Yeah. 
Um, and it's like, man, this is this is the finale of this character development we've been seeing since 2005. I don't remember when the God of War one came out, maybe earlier, but I'm like, wow, like, and, and you see Kratos like get emotional for the first time. Like he never really, I mean, he, he's gotten emotional, but he hasn't really like broken down like that. And he sees that there is a path for redemption and like to become a benevolent God instead of a, a God to be feared. And, um, I thought that was a really powerful scene to, from from my point of view. I, I think that might be my favorite scene and maybe any Sony first party game ever. Um, I, th- I thought the ending of Ragnarok went right up there with the ending of Spider-Man on PS4. I they were both just fantastic games and with, with endings. Yeah, no, and I don't disagree. And, and I do agree with you. I mean, just seeing the, you know, it was, what it was like the image of like, him holding the axe and like people were praying yeah. to him and stuff and it's an interesting callback too because earlier in the game odin talks to kratos and he's like has anyone ever prayed to you ever worship yeah worshiped you and you know it it was neat to see that image following ragnarok but no i mean my thing i looking back on it like playing the old god of war games i never really liked kratos as a person mm-hmm but as they've adapted this character, as this character's grown, he's he's honestly become one of my all-time favorite characters, I would say. I mean, the, the growth that this character has seen from this just endlessly angry, again, horrible person, just for no reason, essentially, to now, I mean, some of the most in-depth character development I think I've ever seen in a game. It's It's incredible. Incredible. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, that that was what I picked up, though, overall, was just this was Kratos's game. I loved Atreus in this game, and I, I think he's still, for me, you know, he showed a lot of growth. And mm-hmm. I, you said maybe not quite as much as the first game, and I would probably agree with that. But I still loved um, Atreus as well. So what did you think? I, when I was playing the game, I was getting frustrated because I felt like I wasn't running through I wasn't running into enough significant battles until the end of the game. Um, did you did you feel that way as well? Where like I felt like I was constantly just fighting these little monsters or whatever. I wasn't running into enough like epic boss battles that I was coming to expect from the series. Um, I think I, that may be my fault because I came into Ragnarok expecting like a bloodbath. Right, I thought it was going to yeah. be like God of War three, where Kratos is just killing all the the pantheon of gods. Um, but really, Kratos doesn't kill any gods in this game until the last twenty minutes, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess really the only one he kills is Heimdall, right? I mean, does he kill? Him? Oh yeah, Heimdall is. I forgot about Heimdall. That was a cool. Really, boss, anyone right? else? Um, yeah. No, no. I mean. Because Thor is killed by Odin, and then Odin's killed by yeah. um, what's his name? Sindri. Sindri, yes. Yeah. So, well, I no, but I I don't disagree with the to answer your question. I I thought there, I thought there were still more overall than in 2018. To be honest with you, I thought mm-hmm. the one thing I, for me, that I loved about this game was there was more variety when it came to the enemies, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, maybe it was expectation 
like you mentioned, I was expecting a little more as far as like the epic kind of scale. Not not with the ending. I mean, the 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 final like two hours is just phenomenal. Right. But I was expecting more overall, like, a, you know, to face more for more gods and stuff like that. I mean, it was still interesting to to fight like Meat Hog. I thought that was right. an awesome fight. Uh, really, really, really fun boss fight. But there and Heimdall. I mean, but there weren't really that many, I guess, spread out in between. So. I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I was hoping maybe for a little bit more, but I mean, to piggyback off of that again, Ragnarok itself at the end, I mean, the final, really from when you get to Surtur to the end of the game, I thought the scale of that was phenomenal. I mean, it's oh, pretty yeah. much what I was expecting. Absolutely. I mean, I was expecting this huge battle, mm-hmm. but it was so, so well done. Yeah, when you just walk through the portal and you see the war going on all around them, and then it's just a constant barrage of fights until you know until until it ends. That was that was one of the best. Um, yeah, one of the best war sequences I think we've seen in in video game history. And honestly, I know I know I've been quite negative in in what I'm saying, but I really did love Ragnarok, and I think coming out of it it might be my favorite first party game of all time for sony um and i think the best way to play this is right up against the 2018 version because they don't feel that different um and man i think if you were to play this um, duology from the beginning straight through to the end i think you would you would have um, a great time doing that and um yeah i don't know i i just i feel like i want so much more now too right like i got to the end and i'm having a blast going through the post game content um and i'm just like man i, I just i don't want to wait for them to make the next chapter of whatever this is going to be and do you think they're going to make another chapter of it or i really don't know i yeah. i've been trying to think about this because they they don't really give you much to go off of when it comes to you know, the future of the series, you know, they mentioned before, this is the end of the Norse saga. Right. So we already know that. But to me, it's like, okay, so where do you go from here? I mean, does he just leave again? Uh, I, or do you, does Atreus become the character now? Like where I, I don't know, to be honest with you. My first thought would be like e- Egyptian lore, because that's kind of referenced here and there with tears, like belongings. But that's really the only place I could think for them to go next. I think that as far as Kratos goes, it has to be done, right? Otherwise, you just kind of throw away all the development he had in this game. I almost wonder if they could do a God of War game with a different God of War, like from um, Aztec gods or, you know, oh, you can continue the story with Loki. Or, yeah. you know, I just looked up the, the Egyptian god of wars named Montu. Um, but I feel like there has to be some sort of continuation, especially when you consider this game is, is selling, like, insanely well. I think first yeah. week it sold 5 million copies. Um, also, you know, god of wars has always been very popular. Uh, and they, they, they kind of leave Atreus' story on a cliffhanger. 
and yeah. you don't really know what's going to happen next with him. And with how much character development he got and how much time we've spent with him, I feel like it's very odd to leave that character on a cliffhanger. So I'm sure they have some sort of idea of what they're going to do with him. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Loki video game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know no, if that's what they're going for, but um, they're pretty cool. No, I mean, I definitely want to see more of both of them, but I agree with you. I wouldn't mind a Loki specific game. The other thing I was going to point out too is, and I don't know if you've done the side quest yet, so I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't, but there's a side quest at the end that involves Sindri. Have you done that one? I have not, no. Okay, so I I won't spoil it for you, but what I'll tell you is that that whole conflict between Sindri and Kratos and Loki after and Kratos and Atreus after Brock's murder by Odin is not resolved. Um, there are still there's a there's an interesting side quest that you should go do where it basically just you know those hard feelings remain. And so I'm curious, you know, is that something they're just gonna leave hanging? Is that or um, is that Brock's funeral? Is that the side quest? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm gonna do next because there was the Asgard remnants, and I saw a bunch of them were in Svidelheim. So I was like, all right, I'll just I'll just mm-hmm. hammer out the other ones, do the remnants, and I'll do Brock's. And I just finished the remnants right before this podcast. So. Yeah. So, but that's the other place I was thinking. I mean, I I don't really know that they could make a whole game out of that conflict, mm-hmm. but it that's the one thing I would say feels pretty unresolved. I was a little disappointed with how that kind of wrapped up but as i thought about it more i mean there there are several moments leading up to ragnarok where they're like you know if you're going to war you have to be willing to sacrifice and so maybe in their eyes as writers that was their kind of way of showing look like you know sindri sacrificed to make this war since kratos and atreus really didn't sacrifice anything i will say i love i love the ending moment when they're all you know when Atreus steals um, Odin's soul mm-hmm. and you know, Freya's like, Oh, you know, now that we've beaten him, I don't really need to kill him. And so he just grabs it and smashes it. <laughs> He's like, fuck this guy. Oh no, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, was like, awesome. Oh, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> Which by the way, I have to say, cause we haven't touched on it yet. A- another one of my favorite story beats from this whole game was the relationship with Brock and Sindri because yes, we get a lot of them in the first game, but the character development we see with them in this game is extremely impressive. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. plot about Brock dying and being brought back to life by Sindri, but like with only part of his soul and the whole experience of going to the um, Lady of the Forge and her not acknowledging Brock and of course his death. It was fascinating. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how well they expanded on these characters that again were good in the first game but they were essentially just you know right. like the shop keeps and it it was fantastic to see them expanded on also freya's character i thought freya was so much more interesting in this game and so cool and i i don't i, I i'm going back and forth on it right because I felt like the writers made like an obvious romantic connection between Kratos and Freya, but that doesn't line up with the story they were trying to tell with Kratos and Faye. That's her name, right? Faye. Yeah. 
but I don't I don't know. It it that that seemed odd to me. Um but I loved Freya in this game. Um and I thought that yeah. the chemistry between her and Kratos was like really spot on, really uh really well written. And the character development she gets is insane in this game. So Yeah, it was really well done. I mean, the first like ten hours or so, she's just like pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that version of her. But then just seeing, you know, her going from that into hey, we're like all mad at the same guy here. Right. I understand where we're at. I understand why you killed my son in the first game. It was it was very well done mm-hmm. uh, character development. The other thing I was going to ask you, though, Seth, for me, aside from the, you know, I mentioned earlier the mirror of the game focusing on Kratos and his his issues, for lack of a better word, and how he's changed as a character. The other thing that I thought was most intriguing overall about the story and the thing that like kept me going was the prophecy itself mm-hmm. of is Kratos going to die? Because I'll be honest, I was very convinced that he was Me a too. goner. Me too. Like I was I was positive he was going to die. The second they introduced Atreus as a playable character, I was like, okay, I know where this is going. Yep. Same. They're obviously setting this up for Kratos to die. Yep. Same. And I thought the pivot away from that, and especially the pivot to he didn't die because Faye set them out on this journey in the very first moments of 2018. You know, that was the whole plot was she set them out. She tried to change the prophecy by setting them out on this. Such a good twist. Yes. Uh, I, it, it really was a nice ending. Like, that's the best way to put it. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just a nice resolution. And I love that. It's not often you see kind of like just a, okay, this is cleanly wrapped up. This happened. And here the characters are. I thought that was phenomenal yeah i um like you i thought kratos was gonna die for sure the entire game and that as um atreus you were gonna get revenge on him or something like that um yeah i thought for sure and like we've been hearing ever since you know the last jedi came out like subverting audience expectations right this is how you do it right um i think that in god of war's case it just happens over and over and over again. And you really don't know what's going to happen next. You think you do, but you don't. And there's so many twists and turns in this, this story that it keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire time. And dude, once, once the game started like going uphill towards the climax, I couldn't stop playing it. I, you know, I was, I was bringing my razor Kishi with me. I was playing at work. I was every, every, second i got that i had time i was i was playing god of war and man what a great experience because yeah just like you never knew it was going to happen because even dude even when you wake up and play as atreus um after the the final fight i was like well kratos is probably dead <laughs> you know that's what i thought too i yeah. was like well kratos died right like yeah. or he's about to die <laughs> he's sick or something um yeah and i was i, I we were going into the final fight and Caitlin was with me on the couch and I was like, this is, I'm just preparing myself because this is about to get real sad. And, mm-hmm. um, it didn't. So I was like, well, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I was wondering how they were going to do that with the post game 
because I knew there was a post game, but yeah. I kind of assumed you were just going to be Atreus, you know, but yeah, it worked yeah I, I had like put so many like logical explanations mm-hmm. in my head of like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Kratos is going to die, you know, post game. He's going to be in Valhalla or something. And like, he's just going to be going around in Valhalla with yeah. his like son and his memory. And like, that's what the post game is going to be. I had all of this thought out of like, how are they going to do this? Because it it seems so obvious. Like yep. Kratos was obviously gonna die. Yep. And he didn't. And I and I love that. I mean, you even get the whole again, super powerful sequence when right before Ragnarok, the night before they lay down in the tent. It's mm-hmm. like Kratos lays down in the tent and then Atreus walks up and he's like, Hey, can I can I stay in here too? And Kratos is kind of just laying there and like telling him the story. And Kratos is obviously like ready to die. Mm-hmm. Like he he thinks it's going to happen and to protect his son. And I, I thought just that whole prophecy plot line, the, the, the putting it out there that like, Oh, Kratos is going to die the entire game. Mm-hmm. And then it not happening was just such a nice change of pace compared to yep. other mediums where it's like, obviously the bad thing's going to happen to the main character. Like, obviously that's going to happen, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it this time. Yep. And I, I loved the subversion like you said i thought that was the proper subversion of expectations right um and then i also just want to give a shout out to the side quests in this game um because i think this is how you do side quests correctly they're not just fetch quests i mean some of them are some of the smaller ones but like there's maybe 20 major side quests in the game and they all give you something phenomenal in them Right, like yep. um, the one in Alfheim where you're freeing those jellyfish things. I don't remember the name of them. Yeah, but I was like, wow, this is like a really cool event that you could just completely miss if you didn't do this. Yep. And um, I bet you know a lot of people that rushed through those story did miss the, these things. Um, and I, I just I feel more convinced than ever that it's quality over quantity as far as open worlds go because there's enough little encounters and events to keep it interesting but when you're doing a side quest in Ragnarok you know there's going to be an interesting story you know that there's going to be a really good payoff and you want to go out and do all these side quests it's not like you're grinding for experience or money or something you want to go ahead and and accomplish these things like dude I'm so hyped to go after um all these um gravestones and, and get in because i've already i've already defeated two oh of my them God. and I've, I've already defeated two of them and i'm like all right here we go baby i've been i've been waiting for this because yeah. I, I was i had started to go after the valkyries in god of war one and then I, I got distracted or some other game that came out but i always meant to go back and platinum that game and i think i might actually go for the platinum in this game have you looked at the trophy list yeah, and it doesn't seem too bad. I, I think I'm of the same mindset. I don't know that I'm going to like push through it, but I think I'm going to just continue to slowly chip away at it and get to it mm-hmm. over time. Because it really is just a matter of doing the side quests, buying the armor pieces. It, there's really nothing that hard uh, in the Platinum. It's just a matter of seeing everything you can see. Collect all the books, collect all the artifacts. And I've seen several people get it. Remember so the far, so. teachings. I wonder what that is. 
Yeah, I don't know what that is. I got that trophy, and I was trying to figure out what that was. I didn't know what it was. I wonder if that's when I you have get no the idea spear. why I got it. No, that's probably when you get the spear because he talks about how. Yeah. Which, by the way, that spear is awesome. Uh, the whole backstory with that spear is yeah, phenomenal. I agree. I agree. I didn't really understand. Did they ever explain how it was going to defeat Heimdall? Though, like that—that's—that's that's one part of it that no. I didn't really. Ex- no, I do understand. agree with that. Because they're like, oh no. yeah, this, this is this is gonna have this is gonna defeat Heimdall, and then like it does, but they never really explain why. And I'm like, uh, all right, well we'll, we'll just I chalk mean, it up to. Yeah, they didn't really explain why. I guess mechanically, like I understand why because when you play that boss fight you have at least this is the way i played it i don't know if you played it this way or if you can play it another way but i would throw the spikes down like on the ground yes. and then explode them yes so i don't know if you have to play it that way so i get it mechanically but also at the same time i'm like well wouldn't he have just known that he was going to throw those on the ground exactly. and like explode them <laughs> exactly that that's what i didn't understand i was like well he he's supposed to be able to like read minds or tell the future or something some yeah. sort of similar like that he would just know what you were doing the entire time so i'm not really sure he had some real joffrey energy by the way i hated that guy in a, in a good way now it was and it was so satisfying to fight him i'm like yeah. absolutely let's go you know <laughs> like, <laughs> he's oh, that, yeah. that villain you love to hate yeah and it was really really good i was just waiting the whole time i was like Keep it up, buddy, because your time's coming. Clock is a ticking. <laughs> <laughs> so those are really, that's really all I wanted to touch on, Seth. I don't know if there's anything else you, you wanted to talk about. Um, but. Yeah, wanted to give a shout out to Deborah Ann Wolf as Faye. Yes. Um, if you don't remember, she's the former Daredevil actor. Um, yep. And they cast her in this game. And she, I, thought, I thought her segments were very well written and acted. Um, and she really, she's really the catalyst to Kratos's, uh, character growth. Um, other than that, just, yeah, definitely go out and play Ragnarok, man, because the game is phenomenal and I don't understand how Sony keeps doing it. They just keep putting out these experiences and it's solidifying to me that, not only is Sony the best at these experiences, these games, um, it's solidifying to me that, that games are the best medium for storytelling. And also um, that I hate long form storytelling in video games because now we have to wait God knows how long until yeah. the next chapter of this story. And there it's is gonna be a long time. There is maybe, dude. I've I've cried at video games a couple times, right? Like the ending of Spider-Man PS4 really got to me. Um, the ending of this game got to me, and then like I think when I it was confirmed that Final Fantasy VII remake was there was something along with Final Fantasy VII remake when that was confirmed or when I first started playing that. Um, but like, I don't know. Sony just keeps getting me. Sony just keeps getting me. Yeah. No, I, I definitely had multiple moments in this game where I teared up. And I yeah. mean, there were, were just you too many teared up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, but I do agree with you. I think 
it it will be interesting to see what they do next. I'm not looking forward to the wait because I think that the thing you see with this game is a lot of the world itself was recreated from Mm -hmm. 2018. Not all of it. I'd say maybe a good 30, 35% of it. Um, I'm sure they reused a lot of the assets and maybe up them a little bit. But that being said, it was still a four-year wait from 2018. So I just, I'm looking forward to what they do next in this world. But at the same time, I know it's going to be a long time from now. And I wish it was sooner. (laughs) I, um, I really think I'm going to get a replica of the blades of chaos and the Leviathan axe. And I'm going to put them up on the wall of my new house. Yeah. Do it. That's so like, I have this this idea. uh, Cause it's, we, I mean, we're buying a three bedroom house and me and Caitlin obviously don't need three bedrooms. And so I'm going to have a game room. She's going to have an art room. And I think in the, um, my game room, I'm just going to get a whole bunch of replicas of like video game weapons. Um, and I'm going to hang them up like like an armory in my in my house. I think it's going to be pretty That's cool. awesome. Yeah. So last thing I'll say is you you touched on uh, Faye. So I'll quickly touch on Odin because I thought that Odin's portrayal was mm. honestly a, a subversion of expectations. Yes. When he first showed up, I was like, what the what the hell is this? What, just, what's going I, on here? You're probably thinking like I did that he was going <laughs> to be like this hulking like yes. like regal no he's like this frail old man um yeah i think that's pretty interesting too because um yeah you didn't you didn't see it coming but no and he's he's like a trickster in a way and like i mean that's the whole game is he's lying the entire game and i loved love love that portrayal because i when i think of odin and again i don't have much experience with norse mythology so i don't know if if this is how he's normally portrayed or, or what but when I think of Odin, like you said, I think of this ultra powerful, mm-hmm. you know, omnipotent being. And that was not at all what he was like in this game. It, it really gave him a lot of character. I loved him as a villain. So loved him as a villain. I do want to state where I, I well, as we wrap this up, I do want to state where I hope the series does go next. Um, because I was looking into this. Did you know there is a very prevalent theory that's, that's emerging that the Norse mythology and the Christian religion is the, is the same mythology and that no, that's Loki, Loki is actually Jesus. Wow. Yeah. They're, like they're, You can look into this. It's really interesting. I'm just saying, <laughs> all right. I'm just saying, I would love to see Kratos lay the smack down on some, some Christian mythology. Like, can you imagine <laughs> the, the, the shit storm that would emerge from like Fox news and, Oh my God, the internet chaos. I, and then Kratos, instead of the God of war held the next game will just be called God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but like Kratos just fist fighting, you know, um, Lucifer or something like that would be so cool, yeah. man. So cool. Awesome. But. Love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, my final thoughts overall, I thought the game was fantastic. 2018 is yep. my favorite PS4 game. I mean, I, I don't see how anything could beat this as my favorite PS5 game, except Agreed. for maybe 
Spider-Man 2. So we'll see what that turns out to be. Mm-hmm. But play it. If you haven't played 2018, play that and play this. If it's you're been, somehow still listening this far in, I feel bad that you got spoiled on everything. <laughs> it's been a long time since a game has hooked me in like this and made me Agreed. feel this way where I'm just like, I can't get enough, you know? And yeah. um, I think Control was the last one for me. Yes. So excited for Control too, but that's another topic. Yeah. Um, God of War Ragnarok, one of the best games of the last 10 years, for sure. Maybe one of the best yeah. games of all Easily. time. Um, Easily. Play it right now. Whatever you're doing, if you're driving a car, stop your car, <laughs> pull over. Yep. Or drive to the closest Walmart, buy a PS5 game, play yep. it right there in the store. They have TVs there in the store. Yep. Plug it in. Yep. There you go. Yep. So, all right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. If you have thoughts about God of War Ragnarok, please send them in. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at Pod. Seth is at Seth the 90s Kid on Twitter. And I am on Twitter at Austin J. Eller. So go follow us there. And again, if you've got your own thoughts, feel free to send them in. We'd love to hear them and chat about them with you online. So thank you all for listening. And again, go play God of War Ragnarok if you have not. And if you have, still go play it. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do.